Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, proud to host Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. And as we follow soccer, we see so many sisters having great success, sometimes on the same team, sometimes on different teams, all of them having spent time in the ECNL. Today's guests are an example of that. Let's learn more from both of them. Hi, this is Tess Bodie, forward for the NWSL North Carolina Courage, former player at Duke University, and I am proud to say I played in the ECNL for both Colorado Rush and Real Colorado. And this is Tess's younger sister, Meg, now a member of the Northwestern women's soccer team and former member of the UCNL Real Colorado. Join my sister Meg and I on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the UCNL podcast, as we go down memory lane with Dean Linky and talk about how the UCNL prepared both of us for the college and the professional game. Tess Bodie just scored a wonderful goal for the North Carolina Courage, and Meg Bodie has been named to the preseason Mac Herman watch list as a star player for the Northwestern women's soccer team. Tess Bodie, Meg Bodie. Featured this week on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. I am Dean Linky. This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, and I love our show. Two superstar sisters, Tess Bodie, who just scored a goal for the North Carolina Courage, a former great player at Duke University, and Meg Bodie, who's on the preseason Mac Herman watch list. Northwestern is undefeated to start the season, and Meg Bodie is on that list. Tess and Meg Bodie, two former ECNL stars. We'll welcome you both. We'll start with you, Tess. Tess, welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Dean, I'm so excited to be here. I've heard your voice over my headphones for years and years, so I'm excited to get into it with you today. All right, awesome. And Meg Bodie, congrats on a great start this season for the Wildcats. I'll have a couple games of yours coming up. Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks, Dean. Happy to be here. All right, well, let's start right away with the ECNL part of your lives. And I'll start with you because I feel like you spent a lot of years in the ECNL. Can you remind us when you played and how much fun you had playing in the ECNL? Yeah, so I spent probably five years or so playing the ECNL. And I just remember this was before there was even girls DA. So I remember we all as a family of two women soccer players loved ECNL because they really took it on themselves to create and cultivate this competitive, challenging league for the girls across the nation that 
was kind of shocking that that was missing given, you know, women's soccer has always been so great in the U S but they took it upon themselves, started this. And I just remember having the best time at all the ECNL events. It was just so fun. I think my senior year, I actually ended up doing a like ECNL best 11 trip. And we went to New York. I met so many people there. So many of them still play. And it was a really life-changing experience. Wow, that is a great answer. And Meg, I know that the DA wasn't play a little bit during your time, but this is the ECNL podcast. So we're going to put the spotlight on your time in the ECNL. Definitely. I think similar to Tess, I have the same emotions towards ECNL and just feel super grateful for just the experience that they were able to kind of like cultivate. I have a little bit of a different taste. I got to watch Tess go through it and see like how they really made it kind of a serious and professional environment, like really respected women's sports, which was just really cool because I feel like that's how I grew up. Like that's kind of all I know is that kind of environment that definitely didn't always exist. So definitely a similar emotion towards it and very thankful for my time in the ECNL. One of the things that I've enjoyed doing this ECNL podcast now for more than two years and working with the ECNL is they seem to prioritize the transition to college. Yes, they hope they do what you guys are going to do. I mean, Tess is already doing it. Mag, there's no doubt that you're going to play in the pro game as well. But they really do, I think, focus heavily on the transition from the ECNL to college. Tess, can you talk about that experience? All those coaches were around. Obviously, you picked Robbie Church and Duke, but I feel like the ECNL helped that process. Am I right on that? Yeah, 100%. And I think that feels a little far for me these days, looking back to my freshman year of college. So maybe Meg would be able to answer more freshly. Pretty much all the girls in my Duke class played ECNL because I just think for coaches recruiting, that you look at this league that's so competitive, it's hard to recruit outside of that because there's just so much talent in it. And I think everyone pushes each other. And so I remember just arriving at Duke feeling like I played against the top players in the nation. I knew what it took and made for, you know, a fairly easy transition. Meg? Tess covered it pretty well, but kind of just adding on to that, there's always a big fear about like stepping into a new environment that it's going to be a lot more challenging and kind of like, that's what you're always told when you're in club, like college is just such a step up. Like it's a really like big transition. It's really different. Tess kind of nailed it on the head. Like you're really in an environment where you're playing all the girls that you're going to see in college, you're playing with and against them. And it just makes that transition so much smoother. And like, I felt pretty fearful coming in, but I think it all in all was like pretty smooth. Here with the Bodie sisters, Tess and Meg Bodie, two superstars in the game. And they're on the ECNL podcast. And let's get to know the Bodie family a little bit better. I just called a game with Tess, which was an honor at Duke. Totally cool. And obviously learned the ties to Colorado, where I live not once, but twice. Love it out there. Colorado has been a factory for the top women's players in the game for years, even before you were born, going back to my days as April Heinrichs came from Littleton, Colorado, and she was one of the original pioneers. But talk about uh, your family a little bit, Tess and Meg. I'm now LinkedIn friends with your mom, who I think was a star. At, she did something at Columbia, really impressive. But uh, talk a little bit about growing up in Colorado and what that was like. So both our parents, both very athletic, but never did soccer. So my mom played, she played basketball in college. And then we've got a brother, He's uh, three years older than me. So we're all three years apart. I'm in the middle. And he was a big soccer guy too. So we kind of forced our parents to love soccer and they just fell in love with it pretty immediately. For me, for sure, like from the time I was like 
really like out of the womb. My mom was like coaching both my siblings teams and they like always tell stories of how I would just be like on my mom's hip and like balls would be like missing my head. Like as like, I was like a three-year-old maybe um, on the field. So I really just like grew up in that environment. Um, But I think our parents did a great job. Like since they didn't really have like that soccer background in getting us in lots of sports. Um, So we both like grew up playing basketball, like pretty seriously, Tess stuck with it all the way through high school and I ended up having to stop for DA. And we both ran track um, all the way through high school. And I think that like really was, I guess for me, I Tess, you can speak for yourself, but really impactful. And I feel like I still feel like aspects of basketball, like in my soccer game or like things I took from track, like fitness or just mentality about like nutrition and how to take care of your body, kind of like bleeding into my soccer life. I like that part of it, Tess. I love basketball. I call a ton of basketball. And I do think that basketball does translate well over to soccer. Tell me about your basketball career, Tess. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough that um, we didn't have rules against like other sports and like length of season. So my whole uh, high school career, I actually got to play basketball. And we and Meg's career got cut short because she was kind of forced to quit. So she probably would have had a similar career in the end. We went to a pretty good high school basketball school. We actually three-time state champ. So it was a pretty fun experience. But yeah, we were both point guards. And I think both of us have good vision, I would say, as a part of our skill set on the ball. And it's totally basketball. Like our mom always loves to remind us of that. Just like seeing the field as like a court and just finding all that vision. So yeah, we definitely, I think, are fortunate that our parents pushed all the sports and I think a lot of kids nowadays kind of pick one sport, which seems to be more the MO, which wasn't ours. And I think we're both very fortunate for that. Well, let's drop names. Let's make sure we get the name of that high school, three-time state champion in basketball. That's awesome. What's the, what was the name of your high school and who was your basketball coach, Tess? Valor Christian High School and Jessica Caldwell. And she was Coach Jess, so she played basketball at Baylor and then pro for a little bit. So she's definitely the real deal. Let's keep going with coaches. We dropped names on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Meg, I want to go back to you. I know you didn't spend as long a time in the ECNL, but when you did, who were some coaches that you remember? So when I was actually in the ECNL, my coach was Jared um, and then Lauren Donaldson, Jared Spires. Sorry, didn't get the last name in there. Um, But then Lauren Donaldson, who I know you just had on a podcast recently, he really just like changed my whole way I approached soccer and saw soccer. He's definitely like one of the most impactful people when I look back over my career, really showing like females um, how like it's okay to like be passionate and like care about soccer and really like brings out the best in everybody. And like, it's okay to kind of like show that emotion and like pursue, pursue something like fully and like all of yourself, which is a really cool kind of thing that he brings out. I feel like is missing sometimes for females. So phenomenal. How about you, who was your ECNL coaches? So I actually had probably a little more than Meg just because I changed clubs and then also was in it longer. I had Lauren Donaldson actually for one year as well. And also fantastic things to say about him. And then at Rush, Colorado Rush, I had um, Wes Hart, who's now Alabama coach, who is one of the best coaches I have ever had. Just person, coach, everything. Devin Barclay, who he now works at Nike. He's actually left the game of soccer. Well, he actually controls the Nike uh, soccer contract. So he hasn't left it fully, but he was also uh, similar to what Meg was saying about one of the most influential coaches. Devin Barclay, I was 14 years old and I still just credit him with 
pretty much most of my success. I mean, it's so funny. At the young age, coaches can have such impact on you. All right, awesome. We're here with Meg Bodie and Tess Bodie. We're going to take our first break. We got one more break to come after that. The Bodie Sisters on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Huddle is a proud partner of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Huddle's powerful yet intuitive solutions make it easy for coaches and athletes to be at their best. And now it's more affordable than ever. All ECNL clubs can get 25% off on Huddle and Huddle Assist, the game breakdown solution. Clubs of 10 teams or more can take advantage of the exclusive ECNL club package pricing. This bundle includes Huddle and Huddle Assist for every team and makes your club eligible for Huddle Focus Flex the all-new portable smart camera with full huddle integration at one affordable price. You can bring the best end-to-end performance analysis platform for soccer today. Just go to huddle.com slash pricing slash ECNL. That's huddle, H-U-D-L dot com slash pricing slash ECNL. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S., at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Honored to be joined by Tess Bodie, now playing for the North Carolina Courage. She scored a big goal the other day against the Chicago Red Stars. And Meg Bodie, who's part of the Northwestern Wildcats at the time of this recording, has her team already with three wins and one tie. And it's great to have both Tess and Meg. Meg, let's go back to the recruiting process because you saw your sister go to Duke. When you started to attack the recruiting process, what was about Northwestern that kind of tipped you to go with the Wildcats? And I would love to know if you would share what was team number two and number three looking on the outside, wanting to get your services? That's a great question. The recruiting process for me, it was honestly pretty long. I started kind of talking to schools and like that whole process right after my eighth grade year going into my freshman year. Started with Duke, of course. Honestly, took Duke like all the way through. I would say they were probably my number two. And I have like, could not say a bad thing about Duke. I saw how good it was for my sister, but obviously kind of took a different path for myself and kind of wanted to do something a little bit on my own, which is a reason Northwestern was just so attractive. I think our family definitely prioritizes education. So that was a huge thing for me looking at schools, just finding a place I could fully like pursue myself academically but also be in a power five conference our parents always say like something like influence through excellence and like a big thing like northwestern i feel like kind of embodies that like both on academics and soccer so i feel like they kind of nailed that on the head for me with that and then being here just like being able to hang out with the girls was just like the team culture i think a lot of people who transfer here will say that too is kind of just unparalleled so i think that was something that really drew me in but definitely duke was a number two for me a number three, I feel like I really got down to those two at the end. So I think it's hard for me to probably. You had a lot of those Ivies too. 
I talked a lot about the Ivies for sure. Notre Dame was up there at the end. Mm. was talking with them. Santa Clara was definitely there at the end. So kind of all over the place. Definitely picked Northwestern and very happy with it. So Well, it makes sense, the education part, because Tess broke down her 57 degrees that she majored in at Duke the other day on the <laughs> podcast. So Tess, tell your recruiting story as well. I probably started around the same, the same time as her, eighth grade-ish, which I know they've changed the rules around now, which is a good thing. Because as an eighth grader, 14-year-old, you know, going into these calls is pretty crazy looking back. For both of us, our parents helped us through that process so much because it can be so overwhelming. And I know for some of the girls in the ECNL right now, I'm sure they're going through it as well. So it's definitely overwhelming. Keep with it. Your parents are great support. But for me, so Duke, kind of differently to Meg, Duke was just always like what I wanted. So everything in my recruiting process was about how can I finally get Robbie Church to give me an offer? So, I mean, I had like a couple schools kind of in the peripheral, but to be honest, it was always about trying to get that Duke offer. And the second he offered it, I accepted it pretty much immediately. My parents were like, oh, like, oh, we're not going to talk about this. And I was like, no, I, I am going here. So it was probably a little bit of a different story for me than maybe some other girls, just because I always wanted to go to Duke since I think I was about 12 or so which definitely stemmed from our basketball background. Our family was big Duke basketball fans. My brother was obsessed. And I'm sure I just early on had some younger sister, like, oh, my brother loves Duke. I love Duke. And then it just kind of grew from there. I already mentioned your mom, Ellen, who I guess played basketball at Columbia. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Incredible. So she's like the rest of you, a slacker. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding. I love um, that word. What about your dad? Where did he go to school? Our dad, definitely a little bit of a different path. He didn't actually play any sports in college, but he went to Oklahoma and then um, went to grad school at Wharton. That's where he okay. met my mom. Well, let's dive a little bit deeper in that because what does your mom do now? I mean, her resume looks so impressive on LinkedIn. I was honored that she reached out. I saw Columbia, one of my good friends, Sunil Galati, teaches at Columbia. My best friend's son plays baseball at Columbia, so mad respect for Columbia. But uh, what, what does your mom do? Yeah, so she's um, an executive recruiter. She took about 20 years off of work to raise us. So she kind of finished grad school and her and my dad both got some awesome stellar jobs. We were actually all born in Dallas. So at the time we lived in Texas. My brother, pretty early into his life, about a year or two old, he got diagnosed with diabetes and it became a pretty all-encompassing thing for my mom. So she ended up stepping away from work. And for pretty much the next 20 years or so, wouldn't you say, Meg, about 20 years, she halted work. And then it's just been so impressive to watch her go back. And the workforce is a competitive area. And she's just been the super mom going in and making a comeback. So yeah, she works for Corn Ferry now, which is a pretty uh, large national corporation that does executive recruiting. She loves what she does. She's so good at it. It's hilarious. Like, we always laugh. She could like talk to a pole. I mean, she's just the best at that job. Awesome. And Meg, what's your dad do? His whole life has kind of been like an entrepreneur. So right right now he's the CEO of, it's a bus parts company, which is kind of like not something particular that he's interested in, but he got the company maybe like 20 years ago or so, like really when I was pretty young, they were like in kind of bankruptcy. So that's kind of his thing, like pulling companies out of bankruptcy. So his company's based in Reading, Pennsylvania, so kind of far away from us. So he's spends a lot of time kind of commuting back and forth, but makes big efforts to make pit stops at all of our games. 
dive deeper into education. And obviously, I was kidding about tests, but she does have, she did major in a lot of things we'll get to in a moment. But we'll start with you, Meg. What are you majoring in at Northwestern? So I actually have switched my major a couple of times. I started pre-med like tests and I'm now I'm majoring in economics and then minoring in business and institution processes. She just did an internship too last quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had like a consulting internship in Chicago, which was fun. Was Northwestern does like you can do an internship instead of classes for one quarter. So took advantage of that. It was pretty cool. You want to plug the company you did the internship with? HBR Consulting. It was consulting for like legal industry. So for like law firms, it was cool. And then Tess, tell me uh, all, all your majors at Duke, please. So I was pre-med and I was an international studies major and then chemistry minor, kind of all over the place. When did you realize, Tess, that, hey, I've got an avenue here. I can live my dream for a little while and play pro soccer. Honestly, full disclosure, pretty much the night I got drafted. So they changed the rules my year, pretty much the day of the draft, because so many people opted to take fifth years. They had enough numbers for the draft, but not really enough talent that had signed up that year. So they changed it so that pretty much anyone who had exhausted three years of eligibility could get drafted, even if you didn't put your name in. So the day of the draft, I get this call that Gotham FC is thinking, formerly Sky Blue, was thinking about drafting me. And I was kind of like, oh, like, okay. Like, I don't, I'm not sure I'm really going to go pro. I might go for a couple of years, but like, I'm really in this pre-med mode. And then anyway, long story short, I got drafted. And then the rest was kind of history. I was like, wait, this is, this is pretty cool. And then here I am on year two, and I definitely don't really see an end in sight yet. So awesome. And Meg, I don't know if you saw, but we were highlighting the Mac Herman preseason in the ACC because we were doing a Duke game. But because Tess was up in the booth, we did a drop down with you on that preseason Mac list, which is a tremendous honor. So I guess it's a double question. When you learned that you were on that list, if you could elaborate on how that made you feel. And I immediately went to Tess and said, I got to believe Meg also wants to play pro. I'll let you answer that one in your own words as well. So again, doubling down here, what did it mean to be on that preseason Mac list? And what are your thoughts about playing at the next level, Meg? Honestly, it was just such an honor to like look at a list with all those incredible names of kids that are are obviously competition, but I just have tremendous respect for. So to see my name next to some of those kids was just pretty cool. We've been pretty like all eyes on just like Northwestern in our season. So it's, it feels cool, but I think the most important thing is definitely like we're not satisfied with how he finished last year. And so it's cool, but it feels kind of like a side thing is we have like a mission this year. Like we have something to prove. I think I was probably on the fence about pro um, before Tess win. And I think seeing her journey and just like how much she loves it and obviously still a job, but but a really cool job. Definitely have like seen the the cool sides of it and how it's something I really want to pursue. I don't know what the whole timeline will look like for me on that, but definitely a dream of mine and hopefully something that I can try to go and accomplish. All right. Before we push to our last segment with the talented Bodie sisters, Tess and Mag, just delighted to have both of you on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Just kind of universally, the impact that women's soccer is having right now on the world after the World Cup, the girls were incredible the nwsl has straightened out you know quite a few things the pay equity is now working with u.s soccer i mean just so many bright lights and you guys are right in the middle of it at such a young age we'll start with you tess we talked about it during that broadcast of the duke southern cal game but 
you know, right now the women's soccer game's never been bigger and better. Your thoughts on that? I can't remember if I said this or not to you, but it's definitely been one of my MOs lately that it is such a fun time to be a woman in sports, specifically soccer. It is so fun. I mean, we're getting to firsthand witness the growth of it. Like I look at some of the games I've had this year at LA, Portland, San Diego, Kansas City, they are filling their stadiums between 15 and 27,000 fans. And it's just funny to look back at like our Real Colorado days, our Rush ECNL days. We'd have a lot of family and stuff at the games and we loved soccer and it was so awesome what ECNL was putting on for us. But even the stage that it would grow into in five, 10 years was, I mean, I think unimaginable. So it has been so fun to watch all of that. And I think it's still on the up and come, still growing. But yeah, it's it's been so much fun to be a part of it. Same question for you, Meg, the influence that women's soccer has worldwide right now. There's a moment that stands out for me. I actually got to go and watch Tess for the first time in person this summer. So I flew out to LA with my family. And it wasn't even like, I think, one of their like, most sold out crowds. I remember talking to one of Tessa's friends after and she was like, oh my gosh, sorry, the crowd was so small today. But I remember like right at kickoff, I like turned to my brother and was tearing up and was like, who would have thought that like Tess would be out on this field with like all these people watching her? Like, this is just so cool. Definitely same for Tess, as she was kind of saying, like it kind of was just like hard to even like think that that could happen for females. And so to be witnessing it firsthand is just honestly like incredible. It's really cool. Both are great storytellers. I'm loving our time <laughs> on this Breaking the Line, the Easton Out podcast with Tess Bodie with Meg Bodie. One more break to pay the bills, and we'll come back with one final segment with the Bodie sisters right here on Breaking the Line, the Easton Out podcast. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the National championship winning ECNL girls and ECNL boys coaches of the year and the ECNL girls and ECNL boys goals of the year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. What a fun show it's been for me to spend time with the talented Tess Bodie and Meg Bodie. Tess Bodie now starring for the North Carolina Curry, just scored a big goal against the Chicago Red Stars. And Meg Bodie has got a goal and four assists already in just four games for the undefeated Northwestern Wildcats. And when we went to break, I did give them the warning that uh, if you listen to my podcast, I love going down memory lane. It's memory and mentors. You guys already hit a lot of your mentors and your coaches, which was great. I do appreciate that. But now your best memory. So in youth soccer, before you made the step to the ECNL, which obviously helped you get to the next level, your greatest youth soccer memory. Tess, only because you're older, we'll start with you and give Meg a little bit more time. Your best youth soccer memory pre-ECNL. 
All right. Well, we were actually just talking about this. So I hope I don't steal her answer. It would definitely be this program called The Center. I was sixth grade, I think, when I started doing it. So I don't know how old you were, Meg. But it was a before-school program that Colorado Rush put on. And it was a training every morning at about 7 a.m. And it'd be for an hour. And it was, when I look back, for sure my favorite memory of youth soccer. I mean, it was, we would go every day. We got to miss school for it. It like counted for a gym credit or something. And I think that was the moment that we noticed our game changed. And we just got that extra hour in every day. And I mean, players that were out there with us were like Lindsey Horan, Jordan DiBiase, who plays for Racing Louisville. Like there's, we could keep going on on all these lists of people that were out there at these just because of that hotbed we talked about in Colorado. When I look back on youth soccer, that's for sure one of my favorite memories, even though sometimes when our mom would come in to wake up us up at 6.15 a.m. we were, And it was, you know, 10 degrees outside because we were in Colorado. We'd be like, no. Well, I look back on that and that was just the best time ever. You took mine, which is fine. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but I think mine is definitely like when I was pretty little and it's maybe not like one moment, but Tess and I are also talking about this before we hopped on this. We used to, my brother, sister, and I, and both my parents would all go out um, with like five or six balls from like the target down the street, like just like $10 balls, like super low quality and would just like go out and my brother and sister would set up all these drills. And the only reason I would really go was to like hang out with my siblings. So I thought they were so cool. And I think like it was in those like moments where I kind of fell in love with soccer and it's so silly, but just like being together as a family and like pursuing that is Honestly, where I feel like it all kind of started, which is funny, but. Oh, there's nothing silly at all. Tess, <laughs> are great, but Meg's answers are deep. I, I, I like Tess, you, you got to be impressed, no? <laughs> Meg's impressing me. She's killing this. <laughs> I mean, really she just thoughtful. the mic for her. <laughs> yeah. I, we'll go back to you, Tess. You've got a longer range to pick from, but your greatest memory playing in the East L. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I guess this was in my junior, senior of high school. I can't really remember, but. We went and did this, um, it was like a top 100 ECNL camp and it was at the Nike headquarters and it was just an experience unlike any other. Kobe Bryant came to speak to us. They put on a show. I mean, ECNL really, it was amazing. And then from that camp, they picked like a best 11 and we flew straight from there to New York and we went to a Bayern Munich Real Madrid game. And we got to meet the players. We got to go on the field. And it was all funded and hosted by ECNL. It was so cool. Um, Yeah. Great answer. Meg, you have a smaller window, but your greatest memory during your ECNL time. Probably not as cool as Kobe Bryant coming and talking to me. But um, I can still remember our first, I think it was our first showcase. And we are in Arizona. And I just remember pulling up with my team and like, up until that point, like before you do ECNL, you know, you play like in front of your parents and like some of your like friends from school might come watch or something, but really just like kind of like local. And at our first game, I remember the whole sideline just like being lined with all the college coaches. And it was just like looking down at like, whoa, like our dreams are like going to come true. This is so cool. Like we're going to play in college. And it kind of like, I was like 13 or 14. So obviously it was very far away, but like It just, it was kind of the first time like playing for something other than like your parents on the sideline, which was just a really cool feeling. That's Bodie, Meg Bodie. All right, let's move to the college game. I mentioned it during the broadcast, Tess. You, 
I think we're really right in the middle of what has made me say Dukes of perennial power. You played a key role in that, and I'm saying that in a non-sycophantic way. You're a great player. I caught some of your games. Now you continue to develop with the North Carolina Courage. That's going to be hard because you guys won a lot of games, but what's your greatest memory playing for Robbie Church and the Duke Blue Devils? See, it's funny because it's actually an easy answer for me. So my fifth year against UNC, at UNC, who, I mean, I don't even need to go into the rivalry there. We all know. In my career, we'd always tied them. We lost them once, and then we tied, tied, all the way through. And then this game, we won, 1-0. And it was like a sold-out crowd. I think we might have been the one and two team at the time in the nation. It was like a very big game. And we ended up winning at their stadium and I scored the goal which is funny because it was probably one of the easiest goals I've scored it was a end line tap in but it's just I remember that moment still it was amazing awesome I remember seeing the pictures of that game and there was not a seat open it was standing room only yeah yeah it was one of the coolest crowds I've played for pre-professional so it was it was awesome electric that's a good one and Meg listen you're still creating memories. And I love the fact that you're uber focused on this year, even during this podcast, focused on the Northwestern Wildcats, not even thinking about the next step. I think that was an admirable answer earlier, but so far your greatest memory for the Northwestern Wildcats. I hate to say it because she's gone now, but it's about Rowan Laffey. So last year, we obviously, you know, coming in, weren't like no one was expecting much of us. I think we were 11th ranked 11th in the big 10. So obviously not even like touching the rankings um, nationally, but I think we all had like this inner sense of like, we're going to do something this year. Like this is our year that kind of started like when season ended the year before. So it was kind of a whole year pursuit. And we got up to play Stanford who was ranked. I want to say they're ranked sixth when we played them. And we like, were still totally unranked. Like we had won all our, won most of our games leading up to, I think we lost one game, but heading into it, like I just remember the night before everyone was like, we're about to like say something like Northwestern's about to say something. And we ended up going in and um, our center forward, like Radel Carmen's got um, fouled in the box, got a PK and Rowan stepped up and just like knocked it. And we went away with a one Oh win, but like the feeling of like that night, like under the lights, all our fans there was just like one of the coolest feelings of like, we're, we just like did something and like, it's just the beginning. So it's a really cool feeling. I called that game. Was, I remember that. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard your voice on the announcement. Did you? <laughs> I called that game. And then afterwards, I looked right in the camera and said, Rowan Lappy, you're a baller, which leads me, I mean, Meg, I'm going to have the game Penn State at Northwestern. Obviously, sometimes people want to go home. She's from Pennsylvania. So I'm thinking that was the main reason. But that's mm-hmm. going to be a big game, right, with Rowan on the other team. And I'll, I'll be calling that game on the Big Ten Network. Yeah, definitely. I think no hard feelings. We all still like love Rowan and wish the best for her and, and Penn. don't wish the best for Penn State, actually. Let me be careful. I don't want to say that, but definitely wish the best for her. And she was awesome for us. So it'll be a fun game. I'm glad that you also mentioned that you, Kobe Bryant, spoke at your event test. On this podcast, we've had Grant Hill, one of the greatest players that played for Duke. He's got a daughter that's big into ECNL and will definitely yeah. play at the next level. And It kind of ties back to what you both said, how basketball helped you prepare. But having Grant Hill on was pretty cool because he's one of so many great players at Duke. That would be cool for you to be around all those great players. So Grant Hill actually has a pretty big tie to Duke women's soccer. He would come to a bunch of our games, and he um, every year we'd auction off our breast cancer jerseys. And he 
bought like all of ours for thousands of dollars and all the money goes to obviously breast cancer, but he's, yeah. So I actually, I mean, not like friendly with Grant Hill, but you know, if I saw him around, he, he knows all the Duke soccer girls. So he's a legend. Incredible. And then Meg, when I think of Northwestern, I also call women's lacrosse. I was there when they won the national championship at Wake Med Soccer Park, where Tess Bodie is now making a name for herself with the North Carolina Courage. I got to believe you interface a little bit with the other women's sports teams. They're awesome at Northwestern. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest parts about Northwestern is just like how successful our women's sports are. Both our lacrosse team and our field hockey and so many other women's sports I could talk about that are doing just as well. But I think field hockey was national champs two years ago. Um, And then last year, obviously lacrosse, like you said, but just like being surrounded by so many just like awesome females who are so talented at what they do and pursuing like just like things at the highest level is it's honestly like so inspiring to just get to like be around people like that all the time. It's really cool. All right. Just two more questions for Tess Bodie and Meg Bodie. This has been a great edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. And to be fair, I feel like I could talk to both of you forever. You know, I'm thinking about it, Tess and, and Meg, there's a lot of great young ECNL players listening right now. They're hearing your careers and your stories. And I'm sure like, wow, that's awesome. I want to do that. I want to do that. What's your advice to young girls out there that want to play college soccer and perhaps someday play in the NWSL or even their national team? We'll start with you, Tess. Right now, which is a little different than when I think Meg and I were in the ECNL, there's tons of women's soccer to watch, which is the cool part. And I think there's a lot more kind of opportunity for learning in that sense. I think Meg and I both have really fallen in love with watching the game and studying the game in our last few years just as there's way more women's soccer coverage. So, I mean, my advice would be to take advantage of that. I think there's so many, whether it's college, professional, the World Cup, Spain, Japan, whatever country it is, there's places to watch women's soccer. And I think if you're looking for a place to find some inspiration, I think you can definitely find it. So that would be kind of my big piece of advice. For me is probably that there's not one like set path on how to get anywhere that you want to be. I think like committing to Northwestern, we definitely weren't like ranked super high when I came here. And I think a lot of people probably were like, oh, like be pretty hard to like go do a lot, you know, like that or something. But I think Northwestern has like totally transformed the kind of player I am and like made me so much better. And I think, yeah, there's just not like one set path on how to get somewhere you want to go. There's kind of like make your own path, I guess would be the best way to say it. One little tidbit before I ask my final question, and that is, You know, I've obviously been doing this for a long time, but I started my career in Colorado Springs with U.S. soccer and then got back to Colorado to be the voice of the Colorado Rapids the first three years, both before you guys were born. But I love Colorado. We lived in Evergreen. My first son was born in Colorado while we lived in Evergreen, just down the road from Genesee. So to be able to share that story with Tess was really cool. But then when I asked her if she knew the Dyke family and Tess said she's going to be in Cameron Dyke's wedding, I was blown away because Cameron's mom grew up in my little tiny town in Ohio, believe it or not. And her dad was a legend. He was a quarterback and big time baseball player, Tony Ruggiero. Her name was Annette Ruggiero. And so I'm tied to that family. And then the Paradiso family, which is her sister and all those players were big time. One played at Ohio State, one played at Toledo. They had five of them. They all played somewhere. So I love that tie in. It always fascinates me how small the soccer world is and how we're all kind of connected in some way. I think that makes 
the game extra special. Do you guys agree with that? 100%. It's crazy how small the soccer world is. Even like now I'll just meet people who are like tied to tests or tied to like someone back home or my coach or something. It is, it's so fun. Just like everywhere you go, you know, somebody know someone, you know, well, this is kind of our last word time. And usually it's propping up the ECNL, which I think is easy to prop up. And I know Tess, you spent more time than Meg, but just in your own words, as we say goodbye, when you think about the ECNL and what it has meant to you and your development and where you are today, can you put that into words? Honestly, all this success that women's soccer has been finding lately started with the ECNL. I mean, that was the first push for a woman organized, woman led promoting women, or I guess girls promoting girls. So women promoting girls. And they led this charge. And I think they still have a big foothold in this whole process. I know I owe so much of my success and career to ECNL. I think Meg probably feels similar. They were the first to do it. Mm-hmm. They like led the girls who who are now like leading the way for women's soccer and they led them when they were, were little and didn't know that that could even exist. So I think like just a lot of credit to them. So great that you both spent some time with Lauren Donaldson. You're right. I had him on the United Soccer Coaches podcast last week and he's such an inspiring man, somebody that I've known for 30 years and continues to do great things. The Bodie sisters continue to do great things. I can't wait as I'll have Meg Bodie twice, October 5th, Northwestern at Wisconsin, 8 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. And then October 15th, Penn State at Northwestern at 3 o'clock. And I'll have the courage on Saturday night on Valley Sports South as they take on Gotham as well. So I'll get a whole lot of Bodie love in there for sure and a whole lot of Bodie love on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Tess Bodie, it was so fun to call that game with you. Even more fun to see you score that goal almost days after. Thanks for being on, Tess. Dean, thank you so much. I love working with you. And Meg Bodie, I'm so proud of your mission there at Northwestern. I think it's going to be a big season, one where perhaps we'll see you in the Big Ten Tournament Championship game, a game that I'll also be calling. Meg Bodie, good luck with Coach Moynihan and the Wildcats. Thanks, Dean. Nice to meet you finally face-to-face. That's Bodie, Meg Bodie, two superstar Bodies. That's our edition this week of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I want to thank each and everybody out there in the ECNL. I also want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.